welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here coming back to do CD number five of this amazing box set released by Cherry Red Records from Ken Hensley's vast catalog. This CD is Cold Autumn Sunday, and uh, I'm going to read a quote that, boy, I really identify with this one. This is uh, This is from the booklet. And it says uh, from Ken, he says, uh, it seems every year I say I'm going to slow down, take it easy, enjoy the farm, play with the animals some more, finish my book, among other things. And yet, as I look at the calendar here in my office, I can see that still hasn't happened. Oh, man, I, you know, I'm looking at my list of uh, tasks that I need to complete in like a reasonably short amount of time. And it's it's already ridiculous. And it's stuff that you know, like I've already knocked out all the easy stuff. It's so easy to just keep saying, you know, adding and adding and adding and never taking time for ourselves. And I remember when I interviewed Ken, it was uh, early in the morning in Spain. And um, he he was just coming back from the studio. And he said uh, he sat in his car through the whole time we talked and uh, watched the sunrise, which was he he really enjoyed. But he said he, he had so many dogs in the house that we would never get good sound for an interview if he even just stepped anywhere near the door because uh, the dogs would go crazy. So um, I really appreciated that, that, that he gave me that um, respect and appreciation for the interview and uh, wanted the best quality of audio we could get so that the things that he said would uh, not be drowned out. Which uh, which is ironic because I found in, find in so many of his songs the organ um, often just like grazes the vocals a little too much to make uh, the story a little less clear. Uh, but I always appreciated that. But I certainly identify with where he's coming from here. It is so easy to just keep taking on and taking on and taking on and never doing anything for ourselves. So uh, if there's any lesson that we could take from Ken on that one, you know what? Take a minute. Do something for you. Do something for yourself and, and you know what? Bring someone else with you. Make it fun. Uh, so this CD is, uh, like I said, it's Cold Autumn Sunday. And this came out in 2005. And um, this one, there are a couple of remakes on here. And we'll get to those. Send Me an Angel was originally recorded with the band Blackfoot. And then uh, he re-recorded Inside the Mystery, originally on the, the album Free Spirit. And of course, the title track uh, was originally released on the 1973 debut album from Ken Proudwords on a Dusty Shelf. This is the song Cold Autumn Sunday, the title track. Um, This is an interesting one for me because uh, my brother introduced me to this song. I absolutely loved it, re-recorded it um, myself based on a version that he was working on and um, added some strings and, and things to it. And when I was in the, uh, you know, the early days of the internet, when Ken and I would email back and forth, uh, I sent it to him and he said it was pretty good. Now, I don't know whether he was being polite or not. He very well could have been. But I kind of have the feeling that if there was something he really didn't like about it or or just hated about it, I feel like he would have said, you know, I didn't really like this part so much, but this was good or that was good. Like, I feel he would have given me some honest feedback. So um, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> and uh and smile at the memory but it was it's a beautiful song it's very emotional um and we'll get to that because that is song number seven on this cd but our first song is send me an angel the remade version (laughs) 
to check out the original version of this song because I absolutely love this. It's an interesting song to pick to open an album. I'm so used to hearing rock albums that have to open up with just this blistering, you know, explosive track. And it's really refreshing to hear an album start out with something that's, um, you know, more uh, mellow and introspective and and pleading almost. Uh, But it's a beautiful song. I love the tone of it. It's a little bit dark and mysterious, but it it just has a warmth to it that uh, is really, uh, really embracing to me. Um, Beautiful vocal, very lyrical guitar, too. And that's uh, one thing that I've noticed from Ken is that his guitar playing tends to be very lyrical. And since he's more of a lyric guy than, you know, somebody who builds the music first and adds the lyrics after the way, say, uh, Deep Purple does is very much the opposite. Um, I, I find it not surprising that the guitar would follow along more that lyrical side of things than playing, you know, like aggressive solos or, or um, you know, trying to do a lot of harmonies and stuff like that. He's almost just replacing what he would do as a vocalist when he picks up the guitar and, and plays in those sections. Uh, but this is a beautiful song. Um, you know, it's uh, what four and almost four and three quarter minutes. And man, it goes fast. You know, it's, it's one that I just, just really was just sucked into So uh, an excellent song. I'll be curious to hear the original. I think it was the the Blackfoot one. Uh, Next up is the other remake. It's called Inside the Mystery, which is kind of a mysterious and intriguing title, isn't it? This is a fascinating song uh, to me. Really, I, I love those, um, you know, the, the arpeggiator on the synth, or if he's playing that by hand, I'm not sure. A lot of times the synthesizers can do that for you. You just put your hand on a chord and it will just bounce back and forth between the notes, making it easier to play some dynamics without the exhaustion on your hand. Um, and you can pick the order of those a lot of times by which order that you put your fingers down on the keys, uh, but or you can randomize it. But in any case, I, I love that. Uh, It sounds really good, very different. I wasn't expecting that. But then it goes into, you know, when it gets to the chorus, it almost sounds like, um, boy, I don't know what year this would have been. I'm going to guess early, 
early to mid nineties. When was nine Oh two one Oh, but like that kind of uh, guitar sound and it had that feeling to it. It was like way more straightforward to, to like that theme song. Then it goes back into the synth driven part. Really cool. Um, I, I really dig it. This is a great tempo. Um, love the vocal on it. It definitely is intriguing. The guitar part, again, very lyrical uh, when it comes in replacing the vocals, but um, it really does have that element of, I need to see what happens next. I need to know the next part, which really plays into the title with the word mystery. Uh, a really cool song. Yeah, I, I dig this one. This is an, another one. Uh, you know, we're, we're two for two of just killer songs on this album. So let's see where we're at with our third song, which is simply titled, when? Definitely not to be confused with the song When by Shania Twain from the album Come On Over, which I covered, I think it was last year. Um, this is a, a different one, um, really showing the use of technology, I think, um, trying to be optimistic about it because I really didn't like the first half of the song. Um, I thought the vocals using that, I'm going to guess that was a vocoder. And then there's a, a very faint either female or falsetto male voice um, that's above the vocals. Um, was not a fan of the first half of the song. The second half, when he starts singing normally, I actually liked much better. But uh, overall, um, not, not a song that really resonated with me. It's got some cool parts, but it was bothering me so much. And maybe this was too much of a distraction. I want to be fair to the song, okay? Um, it might have been too much of a distraction, but this song, it was just driving me bats. What is this reminding me of? I stopped the song several times while I was listening to it, trying to catch what it was that I was following. And it was the music, definitely the music. This being a, a shuffle um, that helped narrow it down a little bit. And then I realized where I knew this music from. There was an album by the Michael Shaker group that came out in 1983 called Built to Destroy. Love this album. Uh, Gary Barden was the vocalist on that, did not use a vocoder on this song, um, but definitely used a, a, a like a deeper voice during the verse. And then, uh, you know, in the pre-chorus and the chorus kind of came out with his regular voice. So there was a, another similarity there in the fact that the voice was different. Um, but yeah, Time Waits on Built to Destroy, check that out because musically... Uh, it's very similar to, you know, the verse passage here. The other thing I thought was that this was a, a religious-based song. And honestly, I'm not sure because it does sound like he could just be talking about creativity or inspiration. But I, I mean, that's certainly something that he didn't really seem to lack. I mean, the number of albums alone that he had out. But then again, um, 
there, you know, a lot of artists, even though they seem to be producing a lot, uh, might go through a period of darkness, or he might even just have been imagining it or thinking, if you ever do go away, I know you'll be back. I mean, we don't always write about who we are and what our actual experience is. That's the brilliance of having an imagination is that we can write about things that we don't know anything about. I wrote a song about searching a tomb in Egypt. I've never been out of the country. Well, I should say I've never been off the continent because I have been to Canada and that is out of the country for me. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's it's interesting. I'm not exactly sure I could pinpoint what the song was about. And that's okay because it's more about what the song means to you. Didn't really care for the first half, although it was catchy. I like the style of the shuffle. I like that just gentle snare hit as part of the shuffle. Um, but the vocoder thing, um, really that whole vocal in the first half of the song kind of killed it for me. It was it was nice in the second half, though, uh, I would say, where, where Ken start singing his normal voice. Um, that was a much better part of the song to me. But let's move on to song number four. This one is called Longer Shadows. love this song. This is just fantastic music right here. I honestly hate that it's only three and a half minutes. I really wish this would have been like a five minute song. There's some really great, great twists in it, especially at the end. The end is just a total uh, shock. Don't see it coming at all. Very, very powerful. I think Ken's voice sounds great on it. I love the guitars. Uh, very, very powerful, especially during the chorus. Um, the, the title though, invoked something very different in my brain when I, when I first read it, um, in 2021, I had just started a new job. I had to go to Phoenix to, uh, train for a week. And as I was driving back, I was planning on, um, reviewing or listening to, uh, Roger Glover's album, Snapshot, the bonus, uh, edition that I had just gotten. And I was going to review it for the podcast, which I did, as you may know, if you listen to that episode, but what was interesting was the time of the year. So this was like right around Halloween-ish time. And um, it was, uh, what was it, like early early October, actually, I think it was. But on the drive home, at the particular time of day that I left, as I was crossing um, the last of Arizona, going into Nevada, the the glow, it was just that like late fall glow where the shadows just seemed to stretch on forever. And it was like a golden light around everything. It was just such a, a, it's such a unique time of the year. And I happened to be listening to, uh, just started listening to Snapshot at that point. So my, my association with that album now is, you know, the longer shadows, the golden light, all of that sort of thing. The, uh, the chill in the air, like it's, it's 
almost too warm to leave the windows up, but it's too cold to roll them down. It's like right in that transitory period where, uh, especially at that, that particular time of day in the late afternoon, it was just like a, a perfect hour that I wish I could have captured and put into a bottle or something so I could relive it again because it was just pretty magical. Um, but that's what the title invoked for me. But man, like as soon as the music started up, I was like, I don't like forget all the preconceived notions. I don't know where this is going. The Moog is so nice. It kind of reminds me of just the way that he had um, played it on If I Have the Time from the uh, Sweet Freedom album. Just that, you know, as he comes out of the verse, then he goes into the that synth part again. Um, just like that feeling, although it's like a completely different tempo, completely different part, but it's a similar style. Really love this song. Um, <laughs> as soon as I'm done, I'm going to listen to it again. Anyway, let's get to the next song, which is called Secret. Boy, this album is full of just mysteries. sure how I feel about that effect on the vocal, to be honest. Um, I think it would work for like a couple of lines, maybe uh, to to emphasize them in a way, but it just sounds like he's calling into the studio from far away through an old Nokia phone. Um, I'm not sure that helps the song. I'm not sure how much it hurts it, though, to be honest, because as as weird as it sounds, I can I can definitely understand what he's saying. Um, I don't know. It's it's just weird. I'm sure I'll get used to it and it'll be fine. But just, just upon first hearing, it's kind of um, it's a little noticeable to me. I'll just say it that way. I'm sure I'll get used to it. Um, but it's a cool song. The The acoustic rhythm is definitely, again, The Magician's Birthday. I'm hearing that in there. It's the same progression. Uh, but it sounds good, especially, you know, it's buried in there with the layers. But I, I can definitely pick it out. I love the percussion on this, too. Um it's not intense. It's not difficult. It's very simple and light, but it really helps move the song along in a way that I think it would sound a lot drier without. So it's amazing how sometimes a simple little thing can make a big difference in a piece of music. And uh, and I really like this one. I think the, the instruments are very well layered. I, I like it. I like the flow of it. I think the tempo is great for this uh, type of song. Um, yeah, another good one. Uh, despite despite not being sure how I feel about the vocal effect, I'm going to say this is a good song. Definitely going to say this is a good song. Our next song on the list, we are at uh, number six here, is called Brown Eyed Boy.
Excellent rock and roll tune. Great energy. Um, didn't think that the brown eyed boy would be him or whoever, you know, he's telling the story as uh, really uh, aggressive forward rock and roll. I dig this one. Uh, a lot of fun from beginning to end. And it wasn't, you know, it, it's one of those songs that could easily be cliche, but it didn't feel like it at all. Um, really just simple, straightforward, good old rock and roll. So that brings us to a song I can already tell you I is the one I'm most familiar with in his catalog, Cold Autumn Sunday. I talked to, uh, to you guys about it in the beginning of the show. I've mentioned it on the show before. Um, I did not hear this version before. So this is a, a, a now I have three versions of the song. Um, I really like this one. It's powerful. Um, I'm just going to play it. It's interesting because in a lot of ways, you know, past this part musically, it's it's very much the opposite of the story of the song. I mean, it's a desolate song about trying to get over somebody that you've lost, whatever the circumstances of that loss, be it a breakup, death, moving away, whatever it be. But it's it's interesting how you know, he crafts the music on this version because there's a version that's like just really dark and sad. And there's another one that's kind of almost empowering. And this is more towards the empowering version um, because musically it's not that sad to me. Um, it's it's like more uh, in control and triumphant over the situation than it is a victim of it. And the first version that I heard was definitely more on the victim side. So I, I love how music can take a story and completely change the feel of the exact same lyrics. Um, that's why music is so important. It's just like in a film where, you know, you're not really for the most part supposed to notice the music in a film. The music should just enhance the way that the director wants you to feel in a particular scene, whether it's looking through a character's eyes, whether it's, you know, you're feeling something ominous, like the shark is, is in the water and it's near you. And so you hear or feel that music. But for the most part, it's just supposed to be there and something that you almost just subconsciously perceive as part of the emotion of the scene. And um, you can really do a lot with a film or with a scene, depending on how you write the music. You could write it enhancing it. You could write something that makes it completely off kilter. So many different ways. You could turn a, turn a horror film into a comedy all through music. So as a standalone song, 
it's not surprising that you would be able to do the same thing. And, and it's interesting that you did different incarnations of this song that I've heard. And I've never heard a live version of it. Um, I know it's one that that Ken was very familiar with from his catalog, but I don't know if it was one he ever did live. Um, I'll have to look and see because I'd be curious to know which versions of it he played. But uh, it's a beautiful song and uh, one for me that's uh, a very personal one as well. So um, I'm glad it's on this box set and I'm glad it's a, a new version for me. So now I have three to choose from and a uh, great production on this. There's a lot of effects on the vocals, but um, apart from that, it's, it's a great recording. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing for the vocal, but it's, it was like so over the top noticeable. But um, but I think it worked for the first half um, with the second half. It kind of blends in more, you know, because the vocals stand out with less instrumentation. Um, and as you get more and more instrumentation, a lot of those effects, effects just blend together because the reverb for the guitar and the drums blends in with the reverb for the vocals. And it's not uh, it doesn't feel as prominent on the vocal. And they also may have dialed it back a little bit, too, when the rest of the instruments came in. So uh, not sure, but it's a beautiful song. Definitely one of my uh, all time favorite songs. So it's always nice to have a, a new version of it. And, you know, how could you do a box set without that song? Our next song is called Romance as we enter the second half of this CD. Like this. This is really nice and cinematic. Um, it's a patient piece for sure. Um, you know, whenever I hear that piano part at the beginning, I immediately my brain just goes to Dream On by Aerosmith. And and it does have that uh, you know similar feel to it, but uh, but it's not the same song at all. A uh, really, really nice use of piano. It it almost it feels like it's gonna be a four-fret instrument, but it almost takes a backstage through most of the song. Um, the vocals are really nice. It just feels big and epic. Um, a really beautiful piece of music for sure. Um, next up on our list is the song Woman. Oh, 
I was a little skeptical uh, when they when whenever they start a song with the chorus, and uh, especially if it's just one word, it just feels like oh, you know I don't really like where this is going. But I have to say, this is a really cool song. I really like the riff. Um, the layered vocals are really nice. Um, real powerful delivery from Ken as well. Um, and the guitar solo was like more traditional ballad solo, which was, uh, which was nice. I think it worked really well for this song. Um, plus, it just has like the overall mood to it. Just has a bit of like autumn chill, doesn't it? Just, just a little touch of it. And I've always liked that. that um, I love songs that fall into that category for me. Uh, very cool. Yeah, very good song. This was a, a first time here for me. So um, I'm going to give this one uh, a thumbs up. I think it's a really good good track on the album. Which brings us to The House on the Hill, which if you remember, we covered a different version of way back on disc one. Let's hear how this one sounds. This is a nice version, and uh, and I had forgotten that Wen was also on that first CD as well. Um, I like this one. This has a more modern sound to it. There is that still that same gentleness in Ken's voice, but he pushes a little bit more power into it in this one. And a lot of times, you know, when you go to sing a song, whatever the music bed is that you're singing along to will really inspire how your performance goes. So, you know, in the old one, it was a little bit more... Um, late 60s, early 70s sounding. And this one has, you know, a more modern crisp sound to it. So it, it that might have helped or he just might have felt uh, he needed to push it a little bit more for the particular story he wanted to tell on this one. But it's a nice version. I actually like this one. Um, I love that late 60s, early 70s sound. I'm a big fan of that. Definitely um, something that whenever I hear it, I it just kind of takes me back to my youth. So there's that nostalgic element. But, um, you know, sometimes I think like today's stuff is too crisp, too overproduced. It just doesn't have that natural feeling of the music anymore. And so uh, so I tend to gravitate towards that sound. However, uh, this more modern version uh, is definitely fantastic. I, I really like it. Great, another great performance from Ken on it. And um, yeah, I think I think I would prefer this one um, for the most part. But that's just me. I think it's up to you which one that you like the best. And while you're deciding that, let's get into our next song called When the Evening Comes.
So this is another version of the very first song that we covered on disc one. Um, really moody song. Um, but again, you know, much like uh, The House on the Hill, with this one, it, it's very much the same thing. It's a very similar song, cleaned up production. Um, I think the guitar sounds better on this version, just the the tonality of it. But um, yeah, it's a very similar performance, very similar version of the song. It's a great song. I could see why he wanted to record it again. Um, there's a lot of mood in it, you know, and, and he was really all about just creating that mood for each of his songs. Uh, yeah, a, a good version of it. I, I don't really have a, I, I, I don't know them well enough, but I don't necessarily feel like I could choose one over the other. I think they're both very close in performance and uh, it's just a great song. So whichever one you pick or listen to them both, because they're both there for you when you get the box set. Our next song, number 12 out of 14 on CD number five, Cold Autumn Sunday, is called Go Down. She sits so quietly at the window by the door. Wondering if she'll ever smile again Her eyes filled with memories And a life in Saturday Unaware of the colors of the day She did not smile for fear Her hope might disappear But if she cared to try yeah, this is a really nice mellow tune. Um, I like the vocals on it. I like that they don't get too, um, you know, gritty or anything. I think his voice carrying on at this nice even tone through the song is is really nice. I also like um, the the bass and drums on this one that, you know, just kind of playing off the snare uh, instead of doing the bass snare hi-hat type thing. Uh, I think that's really nice. And um, I like the bass riff on it, but it kind of reminds me of... Um, what was that song called? Was it Jane Says by Jane's Addiction, I want to say? And it had a similar feel to it. It just carries through the song nicely. Uh, really more alternative or folk, I guess, if you had to categorize it, which I'm not going to make you do, but um, those words pop into my head when I hear a song like this. Um, yeah, really nice song. It's it's another one that you can just kind of just shut your brain off and enjoy. There's a nice guitar solo at the end, some nice keyboard work in there, uh, as you would come to expect from Ken, of course. So uh, a track well worth listening to, I would say. And that brings us to the original demo of a song called Through the Eyes of a Child. This comes from Ken's first solo album, Proud Words on a Dusty Shelf. So we're going way back to the 70s for this one. Confused 
So I started this one a ways into the first section of the song because I didn't want you to think the whole thing was that, you know, filtered old phonograph type sound. Um, it was almost a little excessive to where the song was a bit too muddy to really be able to hear. So I'm glad that that was only for part of the song. And then the rest of it came out in the more, you know, even though it was done uh, a while ago, a more modern sound than that, you know, almost like the 1920s versus the 1970s. Um really powerful song, um, very lyrical again, very lyrical guitar, really emotional, great delivery from Ken on the vocals, rich and full music in the second half, really surprised me. I was not expecting that coming out of uh, this being the original demo, but sounded really good. It's a beautiful song, um, well worth checking out the whole song. And you can do that when you get the box set, sales pitch. So our final song on CD number five, is called Do You Feel All Right? this is uh, a genre that I really don't listen to a whole lot. I'd be, I'd be curious to know how much people listen to this style of music like uh, at home or in a car, uh, as opposed to mostly at a place like a club. Um, I would imagine that this might have been a track that was done for a very specific reason. But at five minutes and 32 seconds, um, the one minute sample that I played for you guys, you basically heard the whole song. Uh, at the end of it, there's a, a really big uh, vocal part with just a lot of, um, you know, reverb and delays in there. One uh, is ping-ponging between the two ears. The other ones are just delaying in each ear. Uh, it's very processed, um, really kind of unexpected for what I'm used to for Ken, who always seemed to be someone who embraced the technology of like synthesizers or production, but wouldn't necessarily have uh, done a lot of music like this. It's nice to see the diversity for sure. Um, but this wouldn't be a track I would probably listen to a whole lot. Um, I'm glad it's at the end of the CD because I might be likely to say, um, okay, this isn't a track I necessarily need to hear because I'm not into this style of music. Maybe listen to it one out of every five or six times and just get to uh, CD number six. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the track will grow on me and this will be one I'll be playing around the house while I'm cleaning or organizing or, you know, packing up clothes for Goodwill or whatever. You never know. And that's the beauty of music. There's a lot of beauties to music. I always say that's the beauty of music is if it's one specific thing, it is so many things. It's not even funny. Um, yeah, cool song, though. I mean, for for that style of music, I think it's a very good track. Um, it's just so weird to hear and to hear Ken having that. I think there's certain uh, reverb delay combinations that they use for this style of music. And it's always, you know, syncopated to the beat of the song. But there, there's just something that's different about it. There's a filter on it that that sets it apart from a regular set of reverbs and delays, you know, something specific to club music. 
And um, it's kind of weird to hear his voice in that filter. But, um, you know, for for what it is for a dance track, it's a solid track. I would imagine that if that were played, you know, over here at uh, at one of the clubs, say Hoxon over at MGM Grand and Tiesto was spinning this on his uh, turntable, I would imagine that this would get people out on the floor and get them moving. So for that purpose, it is an excellent track. And that will do it for CD number five, guys. We've got one more to go tomorrow. Uh, links in the show notes of where you can get the CD. You can download digital versions of it on iTunes and Amazon. I would imagine, uh, I don't know if it's on Spotify. I imagine it might be. Um, but you know what? Buy it, guys. Um, get the money to the estate. I don't know where it goes from there, but I'm sure it's to good uh, good use. Ken was a good guy. Steve's a good guy, his manager, um, so, uh, you know, I always try and promote, uh, the artists and their, um, you know, various estates or whatever, collecting the money. So, uh, if you stream it, uh, basically the only person that's making any money is Spotify. So, um, I'm not big on streaming. It's, it's kind of a necessity to have things on streaming services so that people know that they exist. A lot of times that's how people find out their favorite artists have released a new project because it's, it shows up in their Spotify, um, it's a real shame. It uh, It's a vehicle. It's kind of like to me, you know, I don't know if they still do this because I don't shop a lot anymore. But, you know, in the old days, you would put some items on like ridiculous discount just to try and get people into the store so that they would buy the real merchandise. You know, like you have some blowout on stereo speakers or computer monitors or, you know, uh, whatever it is. And uh, that gets people in the store. Well, while you're here, oh, don't you also need this other thing? Or don't you need a new mouse? Or hey, don't you need a new laptop? You know, that sort of thing. So to me, um, that's what Spotify is. It's it's a place where people can discover music. I'm hoping most people will appreciate the artists enough to go back and buy the music. That's why I don't have a subscription to Spotify. I I buy my music. I don't... Um, I don't have anything against anyone who lives off Spotify, uh, you know, with uh, taste being so eclectic and so much music being out there. You could easily go broke if you tried to do it the way that I do it. But uh, I don't listen to music that much because I'm usually in the middle of a project or creating something else. So I don't have a lot of time. I don't drive very much anymore. So uh, music in the car was a big thing when I used to drive. And now that I don't, it's um, it's just not something that I have as much opportunity for as I used to, unless I'm doing something like this, where I'm reviewing, uh, you know, a project. So, um, but go check it out, guys. The links are in the show notes, iTunes, Amazon. You can buy the uh, CD box set directly from Cherry Red Records. Um, I don't know what the quantities are, but I would imagine um, there was probably, there's probably a certain number. So I would imagine that if you want the actual physical CD box set, which looks like it has some beautiful artwork, the uh, the book inside is uh, multiple pages, very nice, uh, lots of information in there. So go check it out and have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow to cover the final CD, number six. Have a good day, guys. Cheers. Cheers.